Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Where Joe Biden's power is over the next few years is going to be concentrated in what these agencies can accomplish on their own, uh, what they can accomplish through executive power, what they can accomplish through regulatory power. And that's why it's really, really important that these agencies work. I'm Annie Reese. This is Politico Dispatch. I'm Adam Kankren. I'm a White House reporter here at Politico. You know, I, I think there's a, a question at times of, you know, why the maneuverings inside the FDA or any other kind of smaller agency matters, right, for the bigger picture. And I think the answer to that increasingly is that when you look at what Joe Biden is able to do, Increasingly, it comes down to the regulatory powers that he has, and that's the powers in these various agencies. It's very difficult to get anything through Congress right now, and that's likely going to be increasingly difficult given that you know Democrats are on track to lose at least the House in November. And we've seen from the courts that really nothing happening in the judiciary branch is helpful to Democrats right now. It's just a really difficult terrain there. So the places the Biden administration can flex its muscle are its agencies. But the FDA's reputation has been battered the last few months by crisis after crisis. So on the show today, Adam Kankren on the FDA's messaging problem and what they're trying to do to fix it. Yeah, they've got a lot on their plate, especially for, you know, an agency that is kind of part of a broader health department. Mm. Um, So I'll take it one by one. I mean, one, they are obviously dealing with the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. They're responsible for a lot of the vaccine development and management of that rollout, which has been lengthy and difficult and controversial at times, most recently around uh, the rollout of vaccines for children under under six. And this was their first vaccines they've gotten since the pandemic began. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the one thing that has been on their plate for the last year, two years. Uh, the second one has been this shortage of baby formula yeah. that really just kind of hit this spring really severely and has been a very slow fix in trying to find more supply trying to figure out you know, where there are issues with the supply chain and get that really essential formula back on the shelves. And then the latest challenge that the FDA is facing is around uh, post-Roe v. Wade you know, overturning, mm-hmm. uh, where Joe Biden has said that the FDA will play a big role in ensuring that women still have access to medication abortion. So they're still able to get uh, abortion pills um, prescribed because that is an FDA-approved medication. And so they are right at the center of that effort to preserve access uh, to those procedures. Is it a particularly bad time for the agency right now? I mean, we know every agency comes under scrutiny, but it does feel like this is really the coalescing of a few things that are like especially notable unforced errors. I mean, it's been a rough few months for the FDA. And look, this is a this is an agency that went through four years of Trump and 
really, really low morale and a lot of back and forth and executive turnover, right? So it's an agency that has seen a lot. You have a lot of career staff who have been there for decades who are had to kind of muddle through that and come out the other side feeling like under the Biden administration, things would be better. And to a degree, it has been. But these past five, six months have just been kind of one challenge after the other. Mm -hmm. And what has made that more difficult is that the FDA has not handled it from a messaging, from a a public PR standpoint, uh, with the highest of marks, right? So uh, the one big example really is on on vaccines for the youngest kids. Mm -hmm. You had a very vocal group of parents who have been pushing for months and months to get their kids vaccinated and protected against this virus so that they too can kind of resume some level of normal life the way that a lot of us have been living for months now. And throughout that process, there were uh, kind of stops and starts and some confusion over just what the FDA timeline was for authorizing those vaccines, when they were actually going to be available, and thirdly and importantly, what criteria the agency was even using to evaluate these vaccines. And that contributed to a lot of confusion, a lot of angst among parents, uh, and really did not help a situation where there is already significant distrust and concerns about misinformation around vaccines and their safety. And and that was just one issue. I mean, this is a, an agency that is dealing with a lot of things all at the same time and just having trouble kind of staying on top of um, messaging and putting out a narrative that that they've been able to control here. Mm-hmm. Well, and we, you and I talked months ago before Robert Califf was confirmed as FDA commissioner about, A, the fact that it had been a long time under the Biden administration where there wasn't an FDA commissioner. And then it seemed like it was going to be an easy appointment for him. And then it kind of got a lot more contentious and there was some bipartisan opposition. So has he had trouble settling into the role? Well, and this has been one of the the big surprises is that if you talk to folks in the FDA, there was an expectation that when Robert Califf came in as the permanent commissioner, finally, Mm -hmm. after months and months of searching, this is a guy who has a long kind of respected career in drugs and drug regulation. He knows his stuff. There's no doubt about it. He was FDA commissioner for a year during the Obama administration. So it's, it's a job he already knows. He doesn't have to you know, spend time finding out where all the light switches are in the in the building. And there was an assumption that he would be able to kind of come in, take control, and really just hit the ground running. And I think where there has been disappointment is that that has not happened. In many cases, the FDA has seemed increasingly overwhelmed by the number of priorities on this to-do list. And when it comes to Califf, it just publicly he has not seemed as in control and in command of what the agency that he's leading uh, is doing and what the plans are. Um, an example there is that when this infant formula shortage hit, mm-hmm. there was uh, for days just a lack of clarity around what had gone wrong, why the shortage was allowed to become so bad, and then uh, importantly, what the FDA was going to do to fix it. And this is something he got criticism from uh, the public. He got criticism from uh, both the Republicans and Democrats on Capitol Hill. And it got to the point where the White House this spring had to really step in and take control of that project of fixing and getting more supply on the shelves. So how are they planning to fix this larger messaging issue with all of these different crises that we've been talking about? 
Well, the primary thing I think is that there's been a recognition and, and, you know, even folks in FDA will acknowledge this, a recognition that uh, Calif one needs a lot more support on the senior levels. FDA is one of these agencies that doesn't have a ton of political appointees. It's mainly run by very talented and kind of long tenured uh, senior staff, career staff, Mm -hmm. but that there is a need for folks who can come in, be the public face of issues, be the political appointees who knew, know how to kind of work the bureaucracy and know how to you know, manage the narrative. And, and that's kind of what we've seen over the last month or so is Caliph in the last uh, couple of weeks has brought in Hillary Marston, who is a longtime health official. She was on the White House COVID team for the last year or so. She's going to be the chief medical officer. And what that mainly means is she's going to manage a lot of the the internal, you know, liaising with various agencies, making sure that things are running well internally. Mm-hmm. They're bringing in a chief scientist in the Manjay Bumpus, who is a well-respected professor from Johns Hopkins, to kind of be that scientist, that science presence in the front office. And then we reported a little bit earlier this week that the FDA is looking at Vin Gupta, who is a pulmonologist, public health expert, somebody who has been a, an analyst and COVID commentator on TV for the past couple of years, to be essentially the principal medical advisor. And what that would mean is he would be the public face on a lot of these issues, somebody who could help Califf out with these various public uh, appearances, be somebody representing the agency who is well-versed in how the media works and in how to manage a lot of these political questions that are coming up when it comes to, you know, baby formula or when it comes to uh, COVID or some of the more ambitious things FDA wants to do around tobacco and vaping. Yeah, this is also coming as two new polls this week show that Biden's approval rating has fallen to the lowest of his presidency. Is there a tension between the White House and the FDA in terms of any blaming about some of these messaging snafus? There's been... Frustration, I think, at times, especially around the formula shortage, that in that case, the White House didn't know, probably as early as it should have, that the closure of one plant uh, over some contamination concerns could affect you know the market so significantly that you would have shelves just bare mm-hmm. of this formula that that you know is is essentially is is essential, um, and so I think there's been some some. Frustration with the idea that, again, Caleb was supposed to be this plug-and-play commissioner, and since he's come in, there have been various kind of fires that need to be put out uh, by the White House, that there's been not as much communication, things haven't run as smoothly. Uh, now, it isn't to the point, I think, at this point where Caleb's job is in danger, where there's any, you know, um, uh, momentum for making any big changes at the top. Still, though, there is this recognition that you know, if Caleb is going to be in there for the next year, two years, potentially beyond, he's going to need a lot more political support. That's where you're seeing the bringing in of other senior officials into the agency. Adam Kinkren, thank you so much for talking with me. Anytime. It was a blast. Also in the news, after issuing an order banning jewel sales on June 23rd, the FDA this week issued a stay on its previous order. That's because one day after the agency first banned jewel sales, a federal appeals court blocked the ban. So the FDA has temporarily suspended its order to stop selling jewel products while it conducts further review. 
And a federal appeals court on Wednesday heard arguments about the future of DACA, the program protecting migrants that then-President Obama created by executive order in 2012. Last July, U.S. District Court Judge Andrew Hennan ruled that DACA was unlawful. Now, one year later, the Department of Justice appeared before a panel of three judges in New Orleans defending it. It's unclear whether this case will end up before the Supreme Court. Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to follow Politico Dispatch if you haven't yet, and if you can, leave us a rating and review. It helps more people find the show. I'm Annie Reese. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>